Hey, yeah, so I just wanted to get on here real quick before it gets started and let you guys know that there were a few audio issues uh, that I had to go in and edit. So when you're listening to this, you may notice a few skips, um, but I didn't take anything from the actual conversation, so just some uh, certain audio issues that occurred, but yeah. And also, uh, I threw in a little uh, music intro, so hopefully that goes well. But anyways, enjoy. All right, welcome, I guess, to the MSG podcast. <laughs> you guess. Uh, you guys? <laughs> you guess. You guess. Welcome, you guess. Well, I, I have to welcome them. And we have two <laughs> guests here. I think that's they, what you said last time <laughs> on their podcast, too. Actually, last time I didn't introduce it, David introduced well, only it. Only when Alex was on last time, uh, I was listening, and that's what you said, and Alex made the same comment. Oh. <laughs> and it's only been when Alex has been on hey, look, I, said that, I haven't so. done this in a long time, so... Let's say I pay attention, man. <laughs> uh, we have two guests here today. I, I, they're both previous guests, returning guests. I guess they can introduce themselves. Uh, I'm Alex Bean. Uh, I've been on, I think, twice now. This will be my third yeah, I time. I think so. So, yeah. happy to be back. Uh, Tyler Burnett, I think I've been on two times also with the MSG Brawl and then the episode before Alex's second time on. And now we're we're back. Yeah, another, another one bites the dust, <laughs> I guess. Uh, I guess, I don't know, we can talk. Apparently there were topics I wanted to be discussed Yes, yes, yes. That, I, that were previously discussed by both parties in the past. That has to do with like the predestination, free will stuff, in line with how salvation occurs, both on losing it, but how you first receive it, I guess is how you would say it. Yeah. Like whether so or not you receive it by free will or predestination, the, and also whether or not you lose it or don't lose yeah, it. Just so, the whole soteriology <laughs> subject in general. So, but. Yeah, I was listening to that earlier podcast, and I did want to clarify some things with Alex. Mm -hmm. In the earlier podcast, I think the first thing that you said you disagreed with with Calvinism as a whole is the... (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) Is the God's sovereignty and man's free will. Mm. And so you said something about, like, you know, Calvinists say they almost to a detriment of God's sovereignty, that God is sovereign... Yet we also say man is free. I guess I just wanted to know more about like what you mean because I kind of I caught up on it on the last episode, but mm. I wanted to clarify the issue. So you want clarity on how I articulate that? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, because like, it seemed like you because Trey, so Trey asked you about it for, and you for said context. Oh, I just looked at like last night because. I knew I was coming on today, and I was like, wait, when did I even do this podcast last? That was back in May. So please forgive me if there's things I said that I forgot I said. I've had a whole semester since then, and I finished my last semester with 130 pages in like a month. So I've done a whole lot, so I'm like going back, it's like, okay, what did I say? Okay, I guess I can I can articulate it a little bit better. <laughs> I was kind of I would I was thinking okay, we both know what we're talking about about yeah. that subject, but yes, it was a long time ago. I just yeah. caught up on it this morning. So, so kind of what happened was so obviously Calvinists are known for the sovereignty of God, right? Yes. We hold it in high esteem, and other people do too. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of like 
mm. a crux of yeah. Calvinism. Like right. that's where things break <clears throat> if it goes off course. And so I think what you were kind of saying is that Calvinists on one hand say God is sovereign. Mm. And on the other hand, we say people go to hell because of their choice, mm. right? And so I think the problem might have been like, how can a Calvinist say that God is sovereign over that? And yet those people go to hell because they choose to. Hmm. And so I was trying to see how you were disconnecting it. Because for me, I guess, as the Calvinist in the room, is it's, it's not like a, it's not an A and a B. Like God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's God is sovereign and man still is responsible for his choices because I think the Bible explains both of those things. Right. Like, I have a verse because I was going to pull it up. But it is Philippians 2, 12 and 13. I think this kind of shows how the Calvinist mind works of sovereignty and free will. So it says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, so men's responsibility. Right. And then it says in verse 13, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God's sovereignty. Mm. I think that's how most Calvinists think about it is we still have a responsibility to obviously <clears throat> grow in Christ, to make the decision to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. The only difference is, I think Calvinists say, the only way you can make that decision is if God changes your heart mm. to make the decision to follow him. It's not something that man inherently by himself can do. Mm. And so that's kind of how the sovereignty and free will, which I would rather use the term creaturely will now, sure. just just because I think free will nowadays means autonomy, yeah. like 100% total autonomy, autonomy, which I think is kind of kind of dumb and easy to disprove. Mm. But if I, you know, modern Calvinists say, creaturely will just so we don't confuse Hmm. like i was telling trey yesterday john calvin had no problem using the term free will because back in his day it wasn't total autonomy yeah until it didn't have the same baggage yeah Mm -hmm. so like i would be i'm comfortable saying free will it's just Mm. i think for the sake of the audience creaturely will for me is going to be a better term and of course you can use Mm -hmm. creaturely or free will it doesn't really matter Mm. but i think that was one of your complaints with Calvinism I guess that and I think perseverance of the saints was your other complaint I know that was one thing Trey had questions on when I was on his podcast oh no I just said it was really dumb that Calvinists used that with the idea of predestination being involved they were well I, I, I get we, what they were saying yeah. but it still was kind of counterproductive well I think you look it was more a into it. misunderstanding of the whole doctrine well. but which we can get into <laughs> later but I was just wanting to clarify sure. more yeah if you had um, any opinions on that <clears throat> So, with with the question of predestination and free will, um, whether it's autonomy or creaturely will, with that question, oftentimes when it gets brought into is about the decision mm-hmm. to accept. Mm-hmm. Is it predestination to where, in the sense of God chose before everything ever came to be, that all the events would play out so that you would make a decision and there was nothing there was nothing you could do outside of what was going to happen for you to make that decision are you to where okay are you talking about <clears throat> conversion 
So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I mean, you you worded it in a way where it's like, you know, no matter what, you're going to get saved. So are you talking more, just to clarify that, sure. not like there's mm-hmm. anything wrong with it, but are you talking about like God's forcing you to get saved in our view, or is it that you will be saved because God's predestined you to be saved? I just, I don't know if that... Well, the thing is, they, they, depending on how highly you would hold mm-hmm. to understanding God's sovereignty, because the thing is, um, and I'm not every Calvinist says this, but mm-hmm. a lot of people that will claim Calvinism um, and are usually the, and I must confess, the angry ones. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I know the And the, and the, and the Calvinists know who I'm talking about when I say that. <laughs> the angry ones, they'll say, when you mention anything about was it your choice or not to become saved, mm-hmm. they'll say, oh, well, you're... Uh, bashing on God's sovereignty, like you're okay. saying that His sovereignty is less than because He has total control. That's the whole point of it. God mm-hmm. being sovereign. I'm like, okay, well, does that have to be how you would necessarily divine sovereignty, or is there some other kind of mysterious way in which it all works out that we just don't fully understand yet? Okay, um, whether in this time or not to be revealed to the age to come or some philosophical break, whatever. Um, because if you say, oh, well, like, like it's been, let's say, oh, well, I made the decision to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. Or like, no, God made the decision that you'd become Christian and he brought it out to be. And it's not because of anything okay. you've said, okay. done. Mm-hmm. It's, and I'm just like, no, I'm pretty sure. I, well, I said, yes, I'll, I'll put, I'll put my yes on the table. Yeah. Like, I, I, I get okay. I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah. So, I think that's a lot of like the cage stage Calvinist people, exactly. the people who just became Cal- like just understood God's sovereignty, and then they're like, "All right, everything is about mm-hmm. God's sovereignty." Where it is, yeah. But at the same time, it's yes, you made a choice. Mm-hmm. I don't think most theologians or pastors that have been Calvinist for a long time wouldn't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you made a choice. The question that we pose mm-hmm. is, how were you able to make the choice mm-hmm. more so? So it's, uh, were you able of your own free will to choose Jesus, or did God have to first perform a work in you mm-hmm. to change your heart to choose Jesus? Yeah, regeneration. Yeah. And so that that's more the question, I think, <clears throat> that the whole Calvinistic picture kind of looks towards. Mm-hmm. Uh I think it was once said from, like, Charles Spurgeon, you know, the Prince of Preachers, he said that Calvinism is the gospel. Hmm. I would disagree with Cal- or with <laughs> Spurgeon, which is a bad thing to do for most people, but I would disagree with them in the way of, I don't think it is the gospel. It's the best way to, to in a theological, soteriolo- soteriological way, to present the gospel. Hmm. What is actually happening in salvation hmm. is Calvinism course you aren't going to preach calvinism and get someone saved you might but it's more so this is the best way of understanding the gospel Mm -hmm. and why god set up things certain way Mm -hmm. so it's the best like you know thing to put salvation in to present it to other christians Mm -hmm. not necessarily you know it is the gospel which i think kind of like what you're talking about that's kind of how most cage safe calvinists are they're like oh if you aren't a calvinist you're going to hell yeah where i'm like 
no, you, you can be Armenian, you can be hmm. semi-Pelagian, not Pelagian, <laughs> and still, you know, get the gospel. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a thing of understanding how everything worked out. Mm-hmm. Not, not necessarily, like, you have to believe in Calvinism. But like you were saying, yeah, it's, I believe people do make a choice, but it's why. Why did they make the choice? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of <clears throat> argument comes from is, you know, of course, there's bad Calvinists out there. True. There's also bad Arminians out there. Also true. And so it's kind of like we have to take both of them and say, here's the middle. Here's where the intent of the argument went. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of confusion about like Jacob Arminius and his life is Jacob Arminius was a Calvinist mm-hmm. that said, you Calvinists have gone too far. Let me pull you back. And then the people who followed Armenian, Jacob, they were like, okay, well, the Calvinists are way too far this way, so we're going to the other side and going this way. Mm. And so it's, you know, I think in the middle is somewhere where Calvin intended and where Luther intended and Zwingli and Tyndale, all these people that would be considered Calvinists nowadays. Mm Mm-hmm they all knew that you made a choice it's just how in what way in what capacity how were you able to make the choice mm-hmm. and so that that was kind of my sure you know the clarification because mm-hmm. it was it was it was kind of confusing to me because i thought well how does the other side mm-hmm. you know balance god's sovereignty and man's free will yeah. I, I think the way that i kind of worked through it over the last several months um I took a course on anthropology, homartiology, and soteriology, man, mm. sin, and salvation, um, and had to work through a lot of these kind of questions and such. And I think the thing for me was when you look at um, a more Calvinistic perspective of regeneration versus our Arminian perspective of regeneration um, is the articulation of how the Spirit works in salvation to bring about uh, such in a person mm-hmm. to get them to the the point where they've made the decision. Okay. Um, like uh, Arminians will argue for a kind of prevenient grace mm-hmm. that's kind of a okay. Well, in the cross, broad spectrum, everybody now has the ability. God's provided the grace for that to happen. Well, it's not necessarily in Scripture, <laughs> but it sounds better to us. But it's not necessarily in Scripture. And then you have the more reformed Calvinistic perspective of, well, the spirit works about, and once the spirit works about, it's going to be brought to that point. Mm-hmm. Parts in scripture, but also it's like, okay, can the spirit work, but then it not be brought to fruition? And then that kind of gets into the whole perseverance idea again of the spirits working in somebody and then not working in somebody okay and do you still hold to because the way the way that you talk i you know you might not admit that you're an armenian but i would say like i'm more leaning that way okay yeah the phraseology and stuff kind of leans that way especially in the last podcast and so Mm -hmm. i i was very impressed and very like thankful that you were very you know truthful and logical about how your view led Mm -hmm. because you were explaining you know that if we freely choose God, then we can freely not choose, not choose God, which right. I thought, like, I've been arguing that 
for mm-hmm. a long time like if you believe that way you have it's yeah. of necessity unless you're mm-hmm. saying that all of a sudden once you choose god boom free will's gone yeah it's mm-hmm. like nowhere is that in the scripture yeah. so you have to argue the way that you argued which mm-hmm. you know i thought was very good because most people don't go that step and when accused of yeah. having like, to no go i that have my step, security it's like yeah. well it, exactly if you're gonna say you freely entered in I don't think there's anything to say you can't freely exit mm-hmm. either yeah. um, without having some other baggage that's just not found in Scripture. Yeah, which I think that that's a good thing. I, Of course, I'm a Calvinist, so I'm leaning a sure. certain way, but I think that's a good part of the Calvinistic you know, soteriology is it is all building towards perseverance of the saints. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, someone like R.C. Sproul would say, I want to change perseverance to preservation, which mm. would be a better term nowadays. Yeah. Where it's not that we <clears throat> ourselves are making ourselves persevere, mm-hmm. but it's that all throughout the, you know, the five points, God's the one who's doing all these things. Mm-hmm. And therefore, at the end, God will persevere you or God will preserve you and not let you fall away. And so I think in the Calvinistic soteriology, that's that's like a mainstay that's kind of mm-hmm. where the once saved always saved stuff kind of came from mm-hmm. and then it's been twisted <clears throat> and stolen by people who are like oh well yeah <laughs> jimmy prayed a prayer when he was five years old yeah he's you know out there doing all these horrible things and yeah. never repenting and then he dies and they're like oh yeah he's going to heaven it's like okay <laughs> I, I, if you say so but I mean, it's kind of you know I mean, maybe we don't know what god does but I, I don't have assurance in yeah. that. <laughs> and I, I, I would love to talk perseverance of the saints because I that to me is other than unconditional election and total depravity that's kind of mm. the one thing that I'm like I think has the most scriptural basis and you know I think that's that's a reason that the newer Armenians are wrong that we can lose our salvation I think it's a mm. pretty pretty well-established thing in scripture that once God regenerates you, Mm -hmm. you don't get unregenerated again. And I mean, one of the questions I would ask is kind of like, okay, so let's walk through it. So the spirit comes, you're saved, he's living in you. And Jesus is the mediator between God and man. He's Mm -hmm. mediating for you. He's interceding for you all all the time. Mm And then all of a sudden, you say, okay, I don't want it anymore. And then the Spirit stops regenerating you, stops sanctifying you. And Jesus stops interceding for you. Like, explain that to me, because, you know, I want to keep it in Scripture. And, I mean, we can go to the actual Scriptures and, like, Mm. Hebrews and stuff, where it's talking about Jesus being the mediator, Mm. or in Romans, and we can talk about how, you know, the spirits in you and regenerating you and mm-hmm. all these things but i guess i would pose that question like how can god be doing all these things and then the all mighty will of man stop god sure i guess yeah um for the armenians mm-hmm. uh in regards to this um the question comes about with why are there the warning passages. Okay. Why are the passages where it's like, okay, well, you need you need to persevere. You need to continue on. Where you like finish the race, uh, keep on going. Like persevere through the persecution. Don't walk away. Don't do. It's like okay, so 
if that's all held secure, why mention that? And part of the response to that is for us to help weed out, okay, like First John says, if they left us, they weren't of us mm-hmm. kind of deal. Um, and stuff and such like that to where it's like, okay, is the passage here just so we can figure out, okay, if they left, they just weren't of us. They weren't, they weren't truly saved because if the spirit was working in them, they would have persevered or been preserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that gets into the question um, as far as the purpose of the warning passages, as well as the purpose for uh, commands of obedience. Mm-hmm. If the Spirit's the one doing all the work and stuff like that, then why is there still the command to, okay, obey? You need to do this. You're like you're you're not without excuse. You need to go do mm-hmm. X, Y. You need to be evangelizing. You need to be mm-hmm. living pure and such like that. More than just a signpost of like, oh yeah, he's good. Like, yeah, yeah. he's he's secure. Because then you get into the question with Matthew of like, okay, well, these guys over here, like, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons? Like, those seem like pretty great mm-hmm. things. And he's like, I don't know who you are. And so it's like, okay, what's going on? And I think that's the crux for a lot of Arminians is the struggle of trying to reconcile why those specifically are in scripture. It's one thing to talk about God's nature and have this great robust philosophy and theology of a perfect being and such like that. It's another thing to look at human experience Mm -hmm. and try and reconcile that. And I think that's just in the nature of Christianity in general is to talk about a good, great God and then reconcile them. Why is everything so screwed up? I mean, that's where we get the problem of evil mm-hmm. in in philosophy. And um, I think in the, in the course of history, because following the Reformation is the Enlightenment, where that becomes prevalent. Mm-hmm. And for hundreds of years, people are leaving Christian identity to become atheistic or deistic or whatever. Because, oh, well, he can't be a personal God only for the last hundred years with guys like Planninga and a few others to bring us back philosophically into the fold. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think part of those struggles and trying to reconcile those things are why Arminians struggle with, okay, well, I lived with, my best friend was in church with me for 12 years and we served together in the youth and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden we leave we leave at 18 and he's going and running amok, partying, doing all this stuff and everything. It's like, he's not acting like a saved person, but he was taking communion with me for a decade and all these other things and loving on homeless people. Like what gives, mm-hmm. like, did he just not persevere? What would, like, and so you get into the question of like, okay, so what was the spirit's work in the person before was the spirit at work? How was the spirit you working in some sort of unique way that wasn't saving faith, but also being a blessing? Mm-hmm. Like it's the, the, the hard part with theology is that when the more you study it, the more you just keep running into questions. Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And so I think when it comes to Arminianism and such, that's where they end up at is it's just, they look at, Calvinistic doctrine and they say okay but what about this what about this mm-hmm. without necessarily a lot of times getting to a point but they was like okay well what about what about what about what about what about and never finally setting down and saying hey 
there's a reason God asks, says faith, mm-hmm. requests faith, and talks about faith. You're not like he's an infinite God. You're a finite being. There's just no way you're going to know everything. Mm-hmm. So at some point, you got to get to the point of saying it's a mystery and just go on. Walk. Walk in faith and obedience like the scripture says. And then the thing with and the thing uh, <clears throat> Arminians and myself, um, I'll say, as far as the preservation goes, when it comes to the topic of like, okay, well, walking away. If you want to be in the faith, there's no sin you're going to commit that's going to expunge your salvation. It's not like, oh, well, I've done too much. It's like, no, that's not how that works. That's not what we mean when we say leave the faith. We like an Arminian is going to say, no, if I just walk away and say I'm done, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, he's 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 left the church. He's done. He's not. The assurance that he had when he was in membership here and such like that, that we would affirm his converted state, that's gone. Like, we can't say that. Is it potentially there? Maybe. We don't know, though. Yeah. And so now we got to reconcile. Okay, so what does that mean? And so, again, First John. Well, if he leaves us, he never was of us. But also, is he just being bored? Is he just being a backslidden Christian? What does that mean? Like that was a term that came up a lot for me the last few months. Like, okay, is he just backsliding? Like he is regenerated, but he was on an upward trajectory of forty-five degree angle. But now it's more like a thirty-two mm-hmm. ten degree angle. But still on the rise. He's still on on the sanctification process. He's still in it, and he'll he'll come back at some point. Like it's just again more questions. Yeah, I and I I get that obviously. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I think everyone struggles with that kind of thing. And it's interesting you brought up you know the human experience aspect of it because that's something mm-hmm. I've been going through. Not in my personal life. For mm-hmm. me, I don't know. For me, I look at things as black and white, cut and dry. Sure. And so you know, some people don't obviously, but. The human experience aspects come up in my extended family a lot. Mm. And for me, as a Calvinist and as someone who I'm super into like hermeneutics and looking at what the passages say, Mm. it's do we start with our just our theology with man or do we start our theology with God? Do we let human experience be the ultimate authority or is it? (coughs) God's word, the ultimate authority, because you kept on bringing up, you know, the the First John passage of yeah. if they leave yeah. us, they never were of us. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's okay. That's pretty cut and dry. That's a truth I can I can hold on to. I can say, okay, here's that truth. Right. And then I can look at these other passages, and you know, like Ananias and Sapphira. Let's look at them. You know, yeah. they <laughs> seem to be Christians. They were in the church. They sold their land, and then they lied, mm-hmm. and God killed them. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Were they Christians or were they not? They they didn't seem regenerated. And, you know, it's not a question I'm going to attempt to answer. Sure. But, like, with my friends, I have a friend, Jacob, who walked away from the faith. And Trey mm-hmm. knows him. He's mine and Trey's friend from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And he was a Christian, quote-unquote. And he was in the church, and his dad's a pastor, and he's, you know, all, all in. Mm-hmm. And then... He leaves to, he goes to another state with his dad and his parents, you know, his mom and his brother. And his dad's still a pastor up there. And all of a sudden, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And it's like, oh, okay. 
I thought you were here. Mm-hmm. And I think the <clears throat> if I if I put the human experience in mm-hmm. and I say, okay, he could still be a Christian, then for myself, why would I ever preach the gospel to him? If I if I believe, okay, here's the human experience, here's what he did, mm-hmm. and now maybe he's on a less of a trajectory. And he still does good, but he still claims not to be a Christian. For me, and we can call up Jacob because I've talked the gospel with him. Mm-hmm. Because in my soteriology and my view of the Bible is he is not a Christian. So mm-hmm. therefore, I'm to preach the gospel to him. And mm-hmm. that's what I do. And I think when we add in the human experience, it's <clears throat> it confuses and creates all these different problems like you were saying. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with the warning passages. What What's the purpose of the warning passages? Well, what's the purpose of the Bible as a whole? You know, it says that the Bible is, uh, I don't want to misquote it, but the, it's useful for, you know, teaching, reproof, yeah. training up in righteousness. And mm-hmm. I think it's Paul talking to Timothy. Yep. And so it's like, okay, this is what the Bible is useful for. So is it useful to know the warning passages? Like me as a Christian, if I'm a Christian in Corinth, and I'm sleeping with my mother, and Paul writes to me and says, don't do that. A Christian doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, okay, now I know. Don't do this. It's not Christian. And I probably already knew it before, <clears throat> but now I have this brother in Christ that's telling me that's not how a Christian acts. So I see the warning passages as reminding us and telling us, hey, Christians don't act like this. Change how you're acting. Repent and continue to persevere. And so, to me, the the warning passages don't cause a whole lot of problems, but I can I can see why hmm. they might cause problems. It's just for me the perseverance of the saints, and you know, once saved, always saved, eternal security. I think is summed up super well throughout the Bible. And I think once I have that one truth, hmm. that you know, I'll let the Bible interpret the rest of the Bible. And if there's a warning passage, or if there's another passage that it seems like this Christian has fallen away and apostatized Mm. then i can still take that one truth and say well it can't be this because this is what the bible says and i think john i want to say john 7 is the passage that talks about how uh or john 6 sorry i think it's john 6 44 that it's when the sheep hear his voice that he holds them in his hand Mm. and his father's hand holds over his hand and no one can snatch him away and I've heard the argument before, well, the sheep can jump out. And it's like, I, I guess you've never met a sheep. Yeah, that's, and the that's whole a, analogy kind of, break, yeah, it kind of breaks down and it kind of adds into scripture. Like, the sheep can't jump out. That's not what a sheep would do anyways. And so it's kind of, to me, that one passage solidifies the whole, once you're truly regenerate, you're, you're going to persevere. Because, mm-hmm. yet again, human experience, you know, your human experience, I can counter it with one of my human experiences. Right. So it's kind of like, it's good to get it out there because obviously it does, mm-hmm. you know, it does, uh, the way that we're wired is like, I have my experience and it's going to, you know, influence me in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So I've had, you know, I was a quote unquote Christian for a long time and I really wasn't saved. And no one would know it because I had a professing of faith, mm-hmm. but I knew it. And so it's like, yeah, people can act and do all these things for however long they want to and right. not truly be regenerate. And everyone thinks they are. 
and then they could die and be in hell and it's like oh i thought you would be in heaven because of everything you said so it's kind of you know the human experience aspect does take a little bit to look at but i think personally i think the bible's pretty clear and you know i think especially john 6 it's kind of hard to argue in any way against it mm-hmm. where i think the other passages can very easily be explained mm-hmm. within the context and you know the warning passages yeah you have to deal with them but i don't think it's a it's a thing to say okay well we have this truth but now we have this contradiction of truth because mm-hmm. we both i think we both agree that there's no contradictions right yeah and it's more about harmonization yeah it's getting to a point of yeah it's getting to a point of recognizing and thinking through it of okay well this says this over here and this says this okay Mm -hmm. let's go take all this time and energy to figure out okay how does this work Mm -hmm. and really working through and stretching um because even again leading into the enlightenment you have from the reformation and calvinism and luther and and calvin and luther and swingley and those guys of determinism and then Arminius comes in following Calvinism and then after Arminianism it's like okay well this thing this thing doesn't work Mm -hmm. and so there's the choice of like okay go back to Calvinism or what ended up happening was now you have open theism Mm -hmm. okay well I feel like we can't go back so let's keep moving forward and let's progress Mm -hmm. that's the buzzword of the day let's progress let's move into open thesis. Okay, well, maybe God doesn't know everything. Maybe God isn't all omniscient, and mm-hmm. let's move away from perfect being. Well, now we get a couple hundred years later, and now we're getting Christians today that are like, okay, well, God's still learning. He's still developing. It's like, okay, that's if that's the God you're worshiping, that doesn't sound like a great God. That yeah. just sounds like another Greek or Egyptian deity that got squandered 2,000 years ago. Yeah, well... Like, <clears throat> yeah, I, I can see what you're saying, mm-hmm. but it's also, you know, at the same time, obviously mm-hmm. there's there's some sort of remnant that's left. There's still plenty of Calvinists today. There's still oh, for plenty sure, of yeah. Arminians today. Yeah, for sure. The most popular may be like mm-hmm. what you're saying, open theism, you know, mm-hmm. like Joel Osteen's church and, yeah, and, you know, and all these and other just, people. And I just said that in the sense of this is over the last 500, 500 mm-hmm. years, that's the progression that these discussions have brought about that have yeah. led with the cultural shifts... I mean, we're talking the last 500 years. I mean, discovery of America and everything that's happened and transpired since then. Yeah. Like, all of American history at that point, or modern American history, the United States American history. Um, no, I, I agree. And so, like, and all this, I mean, we've had world wars since then. We've had just all these different things happen that are, like, every single time something like this happens, like, World War One and Two happened. It's like, okay, where's God? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you let, especially when you talk about World War Two and the amount of Jews? Like, okay, well, wasn't this your chosen people? What happened here? Mm-hmm. Like, and <clears throat> I think it's just part of human existence and human nature that we look at our experiences and say, okay, how can I reconcile this? <clears throat> and I think the greatest way for us to, as Christians. For us to work through that is read the Psalms. The Psalms are rich in David and Asaph and all these other guys writing prayers and hymns of, God, I'm going through this. Where are you at? What's going on? Why is this happening? 
Uh, Minor Prophet's the same way with the exile and everything. It's like Habakkuk's like, well, God, they're doing all this. What's going on? What are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going to come deal with that in this way. It's like, you can't do that. That's mm-hmm. against who you are. What do you mean? Like, you can't send a, the Babylonians to, like, they're worse than we are. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but I'm going to work it out and I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I need to do mm-hmm. to discipline y'all. Um, and so, like, just part of human existence is having to, like, okay, I experienced this. And then the working through the process of how to reconcile that. Mm-hmm. And I think part of being a mature Christian is to help people that struggle through those debates and dialogues that they have in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's one of my things with these big churches is that they can't have the conversations with the pastors that may have gone through those things or with older generations that may have gone through those things because no one even knows their name. Mm-hmm. Um, to where when you have a smaller, more localized congregation that you know everyone, you can go and say, hey, I heard you went through this 20 years ago. I'm going through something similar. How do you get through this? Mm-hmm. Um, and you share human experiences and you work together in this unity because that's the thing. Theology is meant for the church. Yeah, It's meant to be exercised and worked out in the church. We're not meant to throw ourselves in a, in a chamber and just, okay, how does this reconcile? How does this work? Like, mm-hmm. it's just not how, like, whenever you do that, well, that's when you get, what was it, uh, Simon Stylized that threw himself on a pillar when we were doing church history oh, yeah. way back. He, like, he put himself on a pillar on and had a pillar. servant, like, bring food up to him like every day and he's up on a pill like like t- roped himself to this pillar trying to work out theology and it's just like what are you doing dude mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and that was like 1600 years ago 1700 years ago it was early early monastery early monks yeah like <clears throat> early ascetics I get it Trey you have any you have anything on your list on my Ask list questions yeah mm-hmm. not on all my questions I mean you were talking about the warning signs. They don't really seem to be warning signs when I view them. Because when I look at... I won't really bring up Hebrews 6 just because... But something like Revelation 3.5 specifically makes an emphasis of... Kind of like what you would call sealing or the sealing of salvation. Mm-hmm. Or remaining sealed. Mm-hmm. When, it, when it talks... I think it's through the Church of Ephesus. It's talking because it's the first ten verses. But it's talking about how there are two people in the church and how there's the ones who are alive and the ones who are dead but think they're alive. So, and it, it, first it starts talking about the dead and then, and then it moves on in verse 5 to talk about the ones who are alive. And it gives, uh, it says, so when it ends, it says they will be like clothed in white and their names will never be blotted out. So it, it references a guarantee for the ones who have salvation are the ones who are alive, but it doesn't guarantee anything for the ones who are dead. So it's almost like it's a warning for some, but encouragement for the others. <clears throat> so when I view stuff like, uh, what is it, persevere, continue to run the race, mm-hmm. it's more encouragement. Encouragement to go further than where you were because yeah. you already started at the bottom and now you've been raised further up from right. where you came. Mm-hmm. So I don't really see it as warning. It could be warning for people not saved, but it, mm-hmm. I don't think those, those aren't really talking about non-saved people anyways. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more encouragement to continue to in, push you further in your growth with Christ and with other believers. Mm-hmm. And 
yeah. theology and all that. I would agree. And the thing is, like, um, and I think one thing, especially too, that's hard for us to rem- remember and kind of reconcile with is when all these letters are being written, a lot of these churches are under severe persecution to where their lives are on the line. And so, and I'm going to bring it in, Hebrews 6, or Hebrews in general. Um, well, have you not sinned to the point of shedding your blood? Like, um, like we have these passages that are saying, like, no, like, keep going. Like, don't, for the Hebrews, don't go back to Judaism. For others, don't go back to your, like Colossians, don't go back to the elementary ways of thinking or the elemental ways, depending on your translation. Mm -hmm. Don't go back to those ways of thinking. Don't go back to this way of thinking. You know, because the Spirit's at work in you, this is the way. Christ is the way. Keep going. And it's an encouragement through, and Revelation too, Revelation with all the apocalyptic imagery, and I mean, whether it's future or past or whatever, like is it Rome, is it whoever, doesn't matter the whole point is this is all going to go go and happen it's going to be hard and you're going to suffer and i mean even james in the 40s or 50s whenever he's writing his letters his letter count it joy whenever you face trials like you're going to go through hard stuff that's i mean just as christ suffered you suffered we're all going to suffer that's part of being christian but when that happens keep going when that happens, get to the other side because Revelation at the end of the book, we know how it ends. We know what's going to happen. Therefore, keep going. You're secure. Don't walk away. Just keep going. We know how it ends. So. Yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to say there, but mm. no, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I think I think the warning passages, yeah, are just encouragements like you're saying to keep going because things are going to get hard and you know mm-hmm. some people will say we have it super hard today because no, <laughs> people are canceling us on twitter and it's like not nah, that no. you know we aren't dying we aren't getting tortured so it's yeah persevere just keep running the race so mm-hmm. you know like the parable of the talons you know mm-hmm. do do something with what god's given you yep you were saved for a reason so go and do the good works that he's prepared beforehand for you mm-hmm. you know and in that verse I, I could find it but where he says that you were prepared beforehand unto good works mm-hmm. well you were also prepared beforehand to suffer in yeah. that same verse so it's like yeah you're gonna you're gonna do good things because god's going to empower you to do those good things but you're also gonna suffer and you know count your suffering as a blessing because mm-hmm. you're suffering for christ so yeah i agree with you and yeah especially you know revelation being written believed to be written you know further along and you know like yeah. the 90s things mm-hmm. like that so yeah the church was at one of its height of persecution right and so i, I agree <clears throat> but i was i was curious did you have anything sh- like any scripture that you think causes Calvinism a challenge or like you know think think it doesn't read the way that a Calvinist would read it or you read it a different way like Hmm. I know a lot of people have a problem with like limited atonement you know like Jesus Um, died for a certain group of people Uh, when it comes to because you just get I mean the way scripture seems to be written whether it's John 3 16 or um, 
Paul and I think Timothy or Titus, I forget which one, um, Christ came to save all, um, you get this language. It seems to be that, um, to use another buzzword, um, but to use it inappropriately, or at least not the way that it's used in the modern context, um, it seems to be this universal mm-hmm. sense of, okay, well, he came to atone for all these things. Like, he can't, like, to where, for the Armenian, it's, okay, anybody, whosoever, um, you're, we are, everyone is included in all, to where when you say Christ died for your sins, like, you're not, it's not a lie in that sense. Hmm. Um, is I guess I think I th- it's two separate things. Sure. Like the you know when I'm going out to evangelize and yeah. saying Christ died for your sins. Mm-hmm. Personally, here's how I view it: is mm-hmm. yeah, I can say Christ died for sins. I'm not personally, and most Calvinists don't say Christ died for your sins. Right. But they uh, Calvinists could say it. I don't think it holds us back because we can say Christ died for your sins. And we could be wrong, because obviously, you know, in the Calvinistic mindset, every person that's elected doesn't have a big E on their forehead. Right. Because that would make make things so much easier. I I know. If I could just say, hey, wait, that person has an E. Uh, uh, You guys all get away from me. I'm going to go talk to this guy. It would make it so much easier, but we still Mm -hmm. have that call to preach to all the nations. Yeah. And so, to me, it's like, yeah, I can say Christ died for sins. And if you believe in Christ, you will find him to be a perfect savior. Mm. Like I can say all that. And I think, well, it, either either one you want to go to. So you said John 3.16 and the whosoever passage, which yeah. I love to converse about that passage. But you also mentioned in Timothy. And I think you're thinking, uh, I forget if it's first or second. I think it's 2 Timothy 2.13 and 14, where it talks about, uh, he is not willing for any to perish, but for all men to come to repentance. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, uh, it, it does have a couple alls in that one. I think so. Maybe. Okay. I can find it. I have it in my book. It's in the back of my book. Somewhere. But if you want to do John 3.16, I mean, I'm down to do it because I think that a lot of people view that as something that is a universal thing. But I think <clears throat> in context... And you know a little bit of Greek, so, mm. you know, I know a tad bit of Greek. You probably know a lot more than me. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, so uh, we'll just start in verse 14 to get a little bit of context. And we could start higher up, but, you know, don't want to take all day. So sure. 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. And then the famous passage, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So I'm reading the NASB. Sure. You know, the whole Calvinist Bible. But I mean, I'm in the ESV, yeah, so hey, I mean, that's I like just the same thing. I know. <laughs> it's just as much. <laughs> Too many Calvinists are doing Bibles these days. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the, who, so the whosoever, and of course, you know, for God so loved the world, you know, is one of the big ones. Yeah. And the whosoever are the yeah. two How big things. How do you things. understand cosmos? Yeah, this, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. and you obviously know cosmos, especially John yeah. as an author, you used it at least 10 different ways up to like 14 different ways, yeah. you know? <laughs> so it's like, okay, so in context, how are we understanding world? And then how are we understanding the whoever? And 
I'm sure you can correct my pronunciation, but the whoever believes mm -hmm. would be pas has pestuon, right? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. And so literally translated the believing ones, mm. right? So if we read it how it is in Greek for the only begotten son that the believing ones in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the whoever modern language we believe as a number of people as a quantity, right? Sure. Is yeah. this is the everyone, mm -hmm. the whoever is everyone can come. <clears throat> and I don't think that's what this verse is talking about because mm -hmm. you know, it says for God so loved the world, so if we understand world as everyone ever, right? That's how yeah. you would understand it if you're reading it that sure. context way. So everyone ever, you know, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, do, 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 do. where did I want to go? For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So if we continue to read world as everyone, then does, question, does this turn into universalism? Yeah. Because we, we would have to change the context of world from 16 being everyone, and then in 17, world would have to be a certain number mm. or a certain people group or something other than what it meant in 16 where you know obviously there's no breaks in the original right so we're reading it as one mm -hmm. so we have to show that there is a break somewhere to change the word world or the context is changing the word world into something than what it meant you know mm -hmm. like 12 words earlier so i think john three sixteen, if we're reading it in context you know with moses lifting up and lifting up the serpent in the wilderness mm -hmm. you know Obviously, that story is anyone who looked upon the serpent yeah. was healed. Right. Everyone did not look upon the serpent. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then we go 15, so that whoever believes, the believing ones, will in him have eternal life. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's saying the ones who look upon Jesus, who believe, yep. will have eternal life. Mm -hmm. So I don't think, and 16 and 17, I don't think <clears throat> this verse at all is talking about the people who can believe is saying... Mm -hmm. The people who do believe yeah. this is what will happen mm -hmm. and so i think you know it's not really i don't think it goes against calvinism i think it more so not shows so the all. eternal security part yeah like we were talking about the perseverance mm -hmm. of the saints is saying the ones who do this yeah. mm -hmm. a receive eternal life yeah and so i don't and for me it's not and, a problem passage yeah. or anything yeah it's not and even with 17 like when we were talking about again world like yeah. he didn't come to condemn the world but to save it mm -hmm. when you look at the world it doesn't have to be necessarily regarding people it could be regarding creation yeah exactly like, it's okay so God for God loved creation he came in that whoever believes in the one that because mm -hmm. he's the great redeemer he's the great restorer and that's again and that gets into even eschatology yes. of just okay like, it's not just, okay, you believe, let's pull you out and take you to faraway heaven that you don't have mm -hmm. to deal with this any, ever again. No, like, like we're intermediate, we're temporarily there for a time, mm -hmm. but our ultimate destiny is on a, new, on a new restored earth where everything's made right and all creation is, or all creation is restored in that sense and then judgment, whoever is meant to be thrown into the lake of fire gets thrown into the lake of fire yeah. satan his angels and those that didn't believe in christ exactly and I'll, so i think that's probably the better 
understanding of world in this passage is yeah. just of creation at large. Yeah, I, 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 I think I agree with you. I think I understood <laughs> it. <laughs> Sorry, it was a, it was a lot, and but yeah. I mean, yeah, I yeah. I think look when you say like, and mm-hmm. I, I think your critique is right in looking at verse when we're talking about verse sixteen of, for God so loved the world. It's not. I think you're. It's correct in saying it's not looking at all the people of the world. It's mm-hmm. looking. I think even grander. I think there's a cosmic uh, element with this. With a cosmic element with cosmos. Mm-hmm. Woo. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, where all of creation, all that is in existence, God loves it. It's mm-hmm. not just, oh, well, God loves people. Well, yeah, he does love people, but he also loves all of his creation. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a reason he created everything and said it was good. Um, he loves all of his creation, and he's going to restore all of his creation. Um, if he didn't care about his creation, at, at least from if my understanding of a, as an author, why would you mention, oh, well, the, the earth is groaning. Well, who cares if it's only about us? Mm-hmm. Like, why would Paul say that? Because God cares about the creation as well. He cares about everything. Like, people are his prime representatives as the ones that bear his image, but he cares about all the creation. And so I think that's probably the better use of world cosmos in this passage in particular. Hmm. I think. The only only thing I would disagree with you is, is... That in in the context, the world is ref- has to be referring to people. I just believe that because you know Jesus, the animals aren't gonna believe in Jesus and go to heaven. Sure, I don't think we have anything like that in <clears throat> the Bible. Maybe possible, but you know, world comes just a little bit after you know the Moses thing that the ones who believed. And then mm-hmm. it seems it's to me it seems so like something's broken. Like right here, it's like okay, we just had this thing about Moses, and then all of a sudden God says, "For I love the world that I gave mm-hmm. my only Son." And it's like, well, we were just talking about Moses, mm-hmm. and obviously, I to me it's you know the verse fifteen. So whoever believes will in him have eternal life, and that's verse fifteen talking about Moses. And then he reiterates. The for God so loved the world. Well, then you have to ask mm. who's the world, obviously, like you said, mm. you know. And I think that it to me, I think it's world is the people groups, not necessarily every single individual. So the world, God loves Jews and Gentiles. So the nations. Yeah, the nations. Yeah. Mm. It's not that he has this love of the world where he's going to save everyone. It's mm. He has a love for his people mm. in the the world to me would be his people. And I think, you know, other verses explain it just as well. But I think this this passage is more so about eternal the eternal security, mm-hmm. not necessarily about, you know, God saving everyone or God dying for everyone. It's more so about the ones who believe. Yeah they'll be saved. Yeah. It's an invitation. So, it's an it's I yeah. mean for the I mean it's an invitation. It's hey, if you choose to believe, then this will happen. Well, to where on the other side, if you believe, this will happen. Um, if God has chosen to believe, this will happen. Kind of as far as going back to the Calvin Calvinism, Arminianism, kind of of like, okay, is this is this because he's talking to Nicodemus? Is this an invitation of sorts, or is this a 
uh, state of being of like it can, I think it can kind of go either way in that sense of Jesus just saying it's like hey this is the way it's going to be whoever believes is going to be secure um, could fall and again could follow with will you believe like there I think the possibility of invitations in there um does it necessarily have to be in there? No, I think the scripture again. It, I think it flows and is coherent and fits regardless of the presence of invitation or not. Um, well, I think the only the only problem with with putting the invitation thing is it's not there. Yeah, it's not there. It's the it's not the pas hospestuon. Yeah. It's the ones believing are the ones that will. <clears throat> not perish the ones believing are the ones that will have eternal life it's not that anyone can do it it's the ones that are doing it so like you said we have to go you know we would have to go elsewhere to figure out okay who are the ones that can do that who are the Mm -hmm. ones that are the believing ones Mm -hmm. and i think you know i just personally i think the passage since it has the pas has pistuon since it says the believing ones the ones that are believing it's an action that's already taken place, and it's just affirming that, okay, if you are one of the believing ones, then you have eternal life. It's not necessarily, well, anyone can be a believing one. It's, I, I, I don't see that anywhere in at least this passage. I think it's the, the believing ones are the ones that will have eternal life, just like the ones who looked upon the snake, the serpent that Moses lifted up, had life. They were healed right mm-hmm. it wasn't everyone looked or everyone had the opportunity to look some people chose not to some people chose to well if they, but, chose, if they chose not to did they not have the opportunity to choose if they chose not to if they chose not yeah they had the opportunity just like jesus calls everyone to repent and believe right mm-hmm. the unsaved person is commanded to repent and believe whether they do it or not is ultimately, you know, I would say it's a it's a mixture. It's ultimately, well, it's up to them. But God knows, and so God has a sovereignty, and God gave grace to the ones, or mercy to the ones that he chose, and he didn't give grace and mercy to that one. I think it has to do with God's freedom and not man's freedom. Although God tells you and me as Christians, uh Worship the Lord your God with your all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Can you do that? Oh, it's an inconvenience. That was wrong on there. Yeah, it's all right. Mm-hmm. What was said? I don't know the last thing that was said. Uh, we were just talking about um, having the opportunity to oh, yes. be saved. Um, oh, yeah, the or opportunity to look and then believe. Yeah. Um, and just trying to artic- and articulating what that means um uh, from the calvinistic perspective or the armenian perspective um because to say because again because again that goes back to okay why command something that's impossible um because you were saying he commands repentance he commands to love and do this this stuff okay well god's word doesn't run void or vain so is it so why command it the arminian would say because it's possible 
and then I mean you can articulate the Calvinist worship. But aren't we commanded to be holy as God is holy, and that can't yeah. be done? There, there's a lot of things that are I think that are <clears throat> commanded to not only show us that we cannot do it <clears throat> without Jesus, and of course you know we won't be able to do it until we are full until we're in heaven, right? Mm. Until we're fully glorified, then we can actually love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We can't do it now. But we're still held to that standard, and so are the people who don't believe. They're held to that standard. Even if someone goes their whole life without breaking any of the other commandments, they, they, they don't love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength because they didn't believe in Him. So it's not only accountability, but it's also to show that it's impossible to please God, I think, <clears throat> at least in that verse. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just think that just because God commands something, it doesn't necessitate that we have the ability to do that thing. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I just, I don't see that anywhere. I think it's more so added in to where I would say, well, God commands us to do this. And you say, well, that gives us the ability to do it. And I think that, you know, of course, Calvinism does have something about that. The total inability, total depravity mm. is we don't have the ability to do certain things because of our nature. Sure. But that that would just be my answer is mm. just because it's commanded or just because God says something about it doesn't mean that we can in necessity do it without mm. something else being done. Yeah. Do you think in by the spirit or with unity in Christ that those things though maybe not fully realize that there is genuine, true obedience to the be holy as your father is holy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, so might like in all these other commands we just talked about, like in the spirit, in Christ, as the spirit dwells within you mm -hmm. and such like that, to where we do have the potential, maybe in our anthropology, human nature, because of the broken image or because of the fall and stuff like that, we couldn't. But insofar as the spirit works in us, that we would be able to obey and fulfill and do these things. Maybe, but we still, at least here on earth, we still have our flesh, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. So there's an element where, you know, we're dualistic creatures, right? We have a body and a soul right. or a spirit, whichever one you want to call it. But we're dualistic. So we have this body that's fallen and sinful and corrupt. And then we have our spirit that, as Christians, is not fallen, sinful, and corrupt anymore because we're Christians. So we, that's, that's the whole reason we can even do the things that God wants us to do is because the spirit's working in us. I think the total realization of actually being able to do that with all your mind, soul, and strength is when we're in heaven. Because right now, our mind's still corrupt. It's still fallen. God doesn't physically give us a new mind while we're here like you said he's working in us spiritually mm -hmm. and sanctifying us i think would be yep. the correct term is we're slowly being sanctified even though on earth we will never be sinless mm -hmm. that when we die we of course in god's <clears throat> sight are sinless because of jesus's atoning work for us mm -hmm. so i think the command still stands that we're still to do these things perfectly because god's perfect he gave us a perfect command to do this thing and we can't physically do that thing mm. until i think we're in heaven in, but, the, in a glorified yeah state. in a glorified state and mm. i think you know 
what is it like I don't want to misquote it, but like Romans 8 where it's talking about the being sanctified. It's a continual process. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong on the quotation, but I think you're I think that sounds right. But yeah. So yeah, I think Yeah. I think it's And for know, those that are listening that don't fully understand what we're talking about, um when we talk about salvation and soteriology, um usually it's broken down into three stages or processes. Um, you have the initial justification where we get justified justification by, by grace through faith. Is that the right order? Yes. By grace through faith. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I, there's many times where I'm like by faith through grace. I'm like, wait, hold on. Which one comes first? Here? Uh, by grace through faith. Uh, so you have that and then you have, which is kind of like your stamp of approval, your seal. And then you have the sanctification, which is for the rest of your being um, while still in your sin and such, as far as like your broken nature, you are being made righteous and more holy um, as your life goes on. And then you have glorification, which is and results in the S in the, in the end of days eschatology to where everything is as it should be. Which I think, I think on your podcast, y'all went over, I think it was on the brawl. So I remember David asking something, does sanctification come before? I don't know if we said, I'm not sure. Well, yes, over a year ago, I was wrong on my quotation. I was thinking of Romans eight, but it's not the sanctification. It's the, those who he predestined. He also called and those who he called. That's what I was thinking of. But it does talk about sanctification somewhere else in the Bible that we have to find. But <laughs> no, yeah, I, there's lots of sanctification and justification language in Scripture. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, a whole lot. You could do a whole Bible study on just what all those things mean and what what's the implications. We could, we could of it. spend the rest of eternity. Oh yeah, and still not. I know. Well, yeah, that's you know, that's why some people are specialized in certain fields and oh, some yeah. people are like i don't mess with that <laughs> like uh what is it uh what's the end times eschatology? eschatology like eschatology i am not an expert in eschatology but the people that talk about it i'm just like what are you what what does that even mean like i can see like mm-hmm. i'll listen to a premillennialist and i'll be like okay i could be a premillennialist and then i'll listen to an amillennialist and i'll be like wait a second that guy knows what he's talking about and i'll listen to a post and i'm like okay well well, you guys seem right. I'm going to have to work this out somehow. It's like, uh, who is it? Is it James White that said he used to be a pan millennialist? Everything will pan out in the end. That's what I believe. Uh, and all and all these subjects are hard. I mean, Calvinism, Arminianism, we won't truly know until, you know, yeah. we're in heaven. Which, of course, by that time, you'll figure out that I was right. But, you know. <laughs> It's still it's still worth the conversation because yeah. I know a lot of people think that the conversation it doesn't matter it's not you know this isn't a uh, what is what does David say like an in uh, a, he talked about the circles with C.S. Lewis like there's some things that you have to hold to like Jesus is God uh, like, orthodoxy yeah orthodoxy like this is not inside of orthodoxy you can be an Armenian and I can be a Calvinist yeah. we're in and we'll the, both we're in the realm of orthodoxy yeah. the problem is when we start getting into like previously mentioned open theism now mm-hmm. we're getting into heterodoxy it's like mm-hmm. yep. yikes um, yeah. hold on go come back to the circle come back to the circle 
we have our safe space. Like <laughs> we can work everything out here. Yeah, salvation yeah. compared to like secondary or yeah. third. And I, I do enjoy talking, you know, obviously to another brother in Christ. Yeah. Where you know when you're talking to a non-Christian about, especially about Calvin, Arminianism, I feel is like a little bit easier of a pill pill to swallow for oh, people. For sure. And then when you get to Calvinism, it's like, wait a minute. You're talking determinism, and it's like, no, 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 hold up. Let's let's actually look at what we're talking about. And it, yeah, hard you know, determinism. It's just God planned everything out like a movie, and he yep. clicked play, and yeah. then bam. Ugh. Yeah, they they definitely do the adepto ad absurdum. Is that how you say it? Reductio ad absurdum. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. They, they try to. It's yeah. not very well spoken, but yeah. I was wrong. It, it's not Second Timothy. It's Second Peter. What's the um, other verse I was thinking of? Okay. But yeah, which is which is interesting. I think that you brought up at least you know John three sixteen and mm-hmm. the second Peter is what you quote or you know mention. Yeah, because it's kind of <clears throat> everyone I run into that's you know I don't meet very many Calvinists. I do go to a Calvinistic church. Sure, I go to Watermark, and if you know about Watermark, you know they're a little bit more on the Calvinistic side. They aren't hard Reformed Orthodoxy, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I outside of my church, I don't meet a lot of Calvinists. So it's a lot of Arminians, semi-Pelagians, you yeah. know, and people that don't know what they would call themselves. Yeah. But they mm-hmm. definitely lean those sides. It's like, well, I believe that Jesus came and died for me. Mm-hmm. I chose to. And I was like, okay, so you're this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, yeah, you know, I, I don't find a lot of people that know first of all, but everyone knows what a Calvinist is, or yeah. they think they know what a Calvinist is. They hear the stories. Yeah, yeah they, hear, they definitely hear stories. But it's like, so with people like that, uh, there's always three big verses that everyone brings up. John 3.16 is the easiest one, just because right. everyone knows John 3.16. Yeah. And I, Tim I believe... Tim advocated for that. Exactly, I, I know. <laughs> but there's that one, there's the second Peter one that, you know... He's not willing for anyone to perish, but yeah. to have eternal life. And then there's the Matthew twenty three thirty seven, and it's talking about the, you know, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and saying mm-hmm. how often I would have gathered you, as a hen gathers her chicks. So those are like the big three. So it's interesting to always see that you know those are the ones that people think about. Mm-hmm. And I think you know I think Calvinists have good answers to it, and I think Armenians have pretty good answers or arguments to it too mm-hmm. but it's just kind of you know you gotta kind of figure out what you believe because it is hard like we were just saying when you meet somebody and they they don't they're just like oh i'm a i'm a christian who believes the bible and it's like what does that mean what does that mean it's like <laughs> yeah i believe the bible too and yeah. you know i've had people and i'm i'm thankful that you did not do something like this like <laughs> oh you're a calvinist you believe in man called calvin he's your god and it's like no calvin's not my guy there's so many he's things a theologian yes. in the course of christian yeah. history it's like, that i just happen to have a lot of agree- agreements well, yeah it's like everyone no one has a problem with martin luther and it's like martin luther had a lot of bad things in his theology he had the whole uh i don't know if you're a pedo baptist but i'm not he was he was a pedo baptist and he killed a bunch of anabaptists who were you know they were like oh i wasn't saved I'm saved now, so now I'm going to get baptized. And he's like, kill him. There's a whole story about him throwing a guy. Well, it's debated if he actually knew. But a guy that did that, he got baptized, and they threw him in a pit. And that guy stayed in the pit for seven years and died, all because he didn't uh, recant that he shouldn't have been rebaptized. And it's like, yeah, Luther had bad theology. I have a lot of things I disagree with Calvin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it's like, 
the whole reason it, I'm I take the term Calvinist is to easily explain to somebody what I believe. Now yeah. you may have wrong views about what I believe. I may have wrong views about sure. what you believe, but it's like the gist of it. Mm. You knew that. Here's the ballpark. He, yeah, he's a Calvinist. Okay, God's sovereignty is a big thing. Mm. Tulip, and then you know me, and you say, oh, I'm more so an Armenian. It's like okay, mm. I know free will, man's yep. decisions, you know things like this. Mm-hmm. It's just a very easy moniker, and I think a lot of people get caught up on yeah. the monikers just well, because theologians uh, give us these names. Well, and I think even if you look culturally today, it's all it's all identity. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much of like, oh, well, I'm this, I'm this, and it's just like, okay, first off, what do you mean by that? Second, can we just sit down and talk about what you, mm-hmm. the implications of when you say, well, I'm this or that or whatever, like, let's just sit and just really flesh out to yeah. see where you're at because um, whether it's Luther or Calvin or I mean or whoever mm-hmm. by and large most of them it's Augustine yeah which is another thousand years before those guys yeah. all those guys looked up to <laughs> Augustine and yeah. yeah and so it's like and like I I picked I was I, I have a guilty pleasure of going to half price books and uh, just to like see if I can find some gold for cheap Mm-hmm. Um, and by gold, I mean that figuratively for those that are listening that are hyper literal. Um, and I like, I'll, cause I'll walk in and I'll see on the shelf. I'm like, Oh, here's a translate an English translation, like edited of, uh, Augustine's like against the academicians and mm-hmm. the teacher, like didn't know I'd walk in here and find this. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and pick that up. And even just reading the preface and the prologue, I'm like, he says what? Yeah. Okay, I need to read this so I can even understand what he's arguing because I didn't even realize this was a thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's you know a lot of the times you'll you'll study a theologian and mm-hmm. it'll be and I I find this very fascinating. Like uh, there'll be people that will go on a tour in Germany, right? And they'll mm-hmm. go to Wittenberg. Mm-hmm. Where Luther, that's Luther's place, yeah. right? And they'll visit Worms and they'll do all these things and they'll get to Luther thing and, you know, there'll be a story about Luther, like the Anabaptist who he threw into mm-hmm. prison and starved him and, you know, mm-hmm. had him sit in a pit, not talking to anyone for seven years. And then someone will say, can't believe that guy is a Christian. I just can't. And it's like, okay, everything comes into a context. <laughs> Luther was in a certain context. If you cannot believe that Luther was a Christian, there's not much hope for the rest of humanity. It's kind of like, you know, uh, Calvin did things that were bad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was the whole, uh, like, Zwingli being in war, and that's how Zwingli died. Yeah. And everyone's like, you shouldn't be doing this. And nowadays it'd be like, yeah, someone needs, you know, <laughs> Christians need to get up and fight and do all this stuff. And it's like, there's always a context mm-hmm. of these people. And you got to take it in their context. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's why I think... For a long time, we didn't hear a lot about, you know, justification by faith alone, through grace alone, mm-hmm. in Christ alone, the, you know, the three solas of the yeah. Reformation. We didn't hear about that throughout church history because it, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it just never came up. Yeah, they had other things to deal with back then. It's yeah, like, let's talk about the two natures of Christ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like that. The, let's talk about the Trinity. Yeah, let's, spend, let's spend three, four hundred years talking about that, get that fleshed out. Well, yeah. Then, may, then we'll get into the, some of this other stuff. Yeah, and I, I you know... <laughs> You also, you find, like, those certain Christians who are like, I can't take anything from the past. It's all bad, and I have to start theology all over and do it for myself. And it's like, you can, there's these, 
You don't even know. Well, yeah, it's like there's these there's these pictures of these giants. There's let's just like three giants, and you're down here, and you're like, uh, I need to see over that mountain. But instead of getting on the shoulders of these giants, I'm going to try and climb the mountain that is impossibly high. It's like we can stand on people's shoulders. We can disagree. Like mm-hmm. Augustine, I agree disagree with a lot of what Augustine said, mm-hmm. but I also agree with some of the things. Yeah. And it's like and part of it he too fleshed out good like, things. And part of that too, as far as like potential disagreements we might have, is philosophy is different. Yeah. Like we live in a modern, pushing, postmodern kind of context to where they were a pre-modern context. Yeah. The world was just viewed differently. Yeah. And I think us understanding that helps us then like when we look at oh, it's like, okay so where are we at now as far as how by and large we understand the world like we live in a post Nietzsche and mm-hmm. oh Nietzsche don't Jordan Peter Peterson and Nietzsche Frederick Nietzsche whatever his name is yeah, yeah. I, like, I we, like we live in uh, just a, a post Marxist like like Karl Marx came like like and they whether we agree or disagree or whatever, they had significant influence in how many in the world, view, like, they view the world. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, like, even when we look at, like, talking with Christians about, like, miracles, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, maybe there's some sort of scientific explanation. Like, because we, we're very materialistic yeah. and such like that. To where a thousand years ago, oh, it's a miracle. Okay, mm-hmm. like talk well, about. Well, yeah, even <laughs> even nowadays, you know, everyone's yeah. saying the miracle of birth is like it's not a, it's not really a miracle. Yeah, the miracle of birth is like it's a everyday occurrence. Yeah, it's like let's like how you know, do we either, even articulate those things? Yeah, like, it's it, just because of the the world we live in. Like, yeah, it's and, the air that we breathe. Yeah, and I I totally agree with mm-hmm. everything you're saying, and it's all that being said. The whole reason I brought any of that up is that. You know, I don't know, Alex. I heard you on a couple podcasts, yeah. and I know you play D and D and go to church with Trey. Yep, that's about it. But at the same time, it's like we can come in this room and not be, you know, argumentative, and we can disagree. I think you still disagree with me on a couple of my things, and I yeah. disagree a couple of your things. But it's like we're still brothers. We can still get through it. Yeah. And you know, I just find today. I mean, we've been talking a lot about the day we live in is. Mm a lot of Christians would hear this episode and be like, oh, I can't believe Alex didn't say this guy's not a Christian and <laughs> telling him to go burn in fire. And it's like, oh, I can't believe Tyler even puts up with this guy and him talking about free will. It's like, no, it's we can have things we disagree about mm-hmm. and we can, you know, you can you can like mm-hmm. Calvin for his some of his theology and not mm-hmm. like him for other. I can go and like Arminian, Arminian, Jacob, I don't know how to say his last <laughs> name, but I can like him. I can mm-hmm. like some of these newer people that I disagree with, mm-hmm. but it's like we can have these things that are on the outside that are fine, and it's when it comes to the inside, and even if it's you know theology that looks like it's on the outside, like uh, modalism, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like it's kind of on the outside. It's like okay, someone can explain the Trinity using an <clears throat> example like oh, uh, I'm a father, I'm a son, and I'm a husband, and it's like that seems all well and good. <laughs> But it's when you get into that stuff that, mm. well, God isn't one person that takes on three different modes. Yeah. He's three persons. Yeah, he's three persons. And it's, you know, it's like those things, they seem like they're on the outside, mm. but they're on the inside. If you were a modalist, I'd have a lot more problems with you. Exactly. You know, as where, you know, you 
you're more Armenian and mm -hmm. in soteriology, I'm like, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think some of it, you know, could at the end, when you really look deep into it, could be wrong. Mm -hmm. But you probably look the same way with me. If you go too far yeah. with Calvinism, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, you know, we can we can find a happy middle, disagree and still be brothers. And, you know, Trey's a good example of it. He's obviously my real brother and <laughs> probably disagrees with me on a lot of things. But I don't know if I fall in, into either of y'all's areas of that topic. Well, that's the but one thing. Is everyone follow, <laughs> hold on, falls in. Hold on, it. wait a minute. <laughs> what are you saying, you unsaved heathen? Oh. Wait, you can't. Like he he allowed for semi Pelagian. You can't go full Pelagian. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> Original sin. Go Trey. <laughs> well, no, and yeah, some some people. I don't know if you found this out, but like. If you name someone something, they take offense to it. Oh, absolutely. Like I I called my brother-in-law. I said, "You know, you're really you're really kind of semi-Pelagian going on the Pelagian side." And he's like, "What'd you just say to me?" I'm like, "You don't even know who that guy is. You don't now, even know what this guy believes." Well, yeah, he's just like, "I know I'm not a Calvinist, and that's why I'm not." And I'm like, "Okay, explain to me what you believe about man's will." And then he explained it. And I'm like, that's okay, so you're a Pelagian. <laughs> you, you're barely straddling the line between Pelagian and semi-Pelagian. And I just pray to our Lord that you don't go all the way because might have to kick you out of the church or something. But yeah, it's you know I don't know I don't know why people either they'll be offended mm. one way that you call yourself something, mm. or they'll be offended that you call, you call them, them something. something else that mm -hmm. they don't even know what it is, or they do know what it is and they're like, no, I'm not. I'm a, I'm just a Christian. And it's like. Catholics say they're Christians. Yeah. If you really follow actual Catholic doctrine, you are not a Christian. Mm. Now, there could be some inside that, you know, obviously everyone who's a Catholic doesn't follow all the doctrines. Just like everyone who's a Baptist doesn't follow all the, yeah. uh, mm. what is it, the Baptist faith and message or whatever it's called, the mm. Baptist creed. It's like, yeah, you can have people inside, but, you know, plenty of people call themselves Christians, Jehovah Witness. Mormons, and I don't right. think either one of them no, would no. qualify just based on their view of God. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I think it's it's good to figure out where you stand on certain areas. Mm. Like if yeah, I came these up are, to you, these are all things that should be discussed and talked about yeah. to get to a point of saying, so, okay, yeah, like and maybe again, like maybe you just got just made your profession of faith, and mm -hmm. so you're just now being exposed to some of this stuff. It can take years oh, yeah. for you to really start to work through and articulate and try and figure out, okay, okay, I kind of, when I read scripture and pray and talk with pastors or whatever, I kind of end up at this point and, and then I discuss and then I hear this other stuff and then I start to, and we're constantly growing and we're constantly learning. Yeah. And so it's, it's. I think, and I think that too is a part of the sanctification process mm -hmm. of your develop, like your theology as well as your being and your nature is being developed. Yeah, and it's it's good to figure out these things because it shows you while you're reading the Bible where your presuppositions are. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, you as an Arminian have certain, or I don't want to call you an Arminian, <laughs> but you know, leaning that way. Who is this guy that I disagree you with? Know, <laughs> it's like you you read the Bible and you mm -hmm. lean a certain way, and so. Mm -hmm. If you already know, okay, I lean more towards Arminianism, then I can check my mm. presuppositions and say, okay, am I reading this just because I believe this yeah. other thing? Or is it, am I reading this how yeah. the author intended context? Mm -hmm. It's like, as a Calvinist, it's super easy for me to see because I can be like, okay, don't add in any of God's sovereignty. <laughs> just read the passage. Yeah. 
then you come out with what you think it says mm-hmm. and then you can you know you can go and learn it's not a sin to go and learn from yeah. you know people that are on the other side mm-hmm. like you know <clears throat> Uh, oh man, I, it sucks that I can't think of someone who's not a Calvinist off the top of my head. But uh, well, I mean, you can look at uh, even just modern philosophers and theologians. Like over the last, I mean, I like some of the times I grew the most as far as like how I was trying to figure out and articulate theology was when I studied like uh, James Cone with Black mm-hmm. Liberation Theology or Soren Kierkegaard with Existentialism. Like yeah. stuff like that, like you're like because they just mention things. You're like, oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. And so, like, you because you come into it and say, so, okay, I'm here. I have my understanding. But then, so okay, well, then here's the whole world of existence that all has these other views, and somehow we got to find where the harmony and disharmony is. Mm-hmm. Because obviously it's not going to all be harmonious and it's not going to all be disharmony. Like there's some aspects where it's like, okay, I, there's harmony here. There's disharmony here. Let's figure it out and work with to try and see what's going on. Yeah. Because, yeah, that, that kind of stuff grows you, especially when you look outside the Christian mm-hmm. faith and go, oh, this is the questions that they're asking. Yeah. It's like not many people ask the question are, well, actually a lot of people ask the question, <laughs> are men born morally good or are we yeah. born morally bad like that yeah, humanism yeah. yeah humanism it's like mm-hmm. yeah that's a question you can answer and it's also a question that you can look at the bible for mm-hmm. and it's like and you can and you even know, church history i mean yeah, that was church- i mean that in itself was i mean that like the augustine's pelagian discourse and mm-hmm. argumentation was basically about that was now they use the words original sin mm-hmm. but i mean the same thing applies like, okay are they generally good or are they generally are they corrupt? Yeah, um, and that and that's a conversation fifteen hundred years ago that we've just for like a lot of people have forgotten existed. Yeah, and I think that's I mean to use the cliche kind of fra- phraseology, history ends up repeating itself. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing new <laughs> under the sun. Yeah, where it's just like a new age new age stuff. It's mm. like well look at Paul and the Gnostics. When he's talking about that some people, you know, will tell you that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. And it's like, that's an early form of, you know, new age or Gnosticism. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can, you can look at the Bible for these things and you can look at Mm -hmm. church history because people like Augustine, people like Luther against, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, whatever the guy's name is, who he argued with. But, you know, there's plenty of debates and things that you can see in even modern day people who already have this knowledge of all the church history that has come and are still arguing the same arguments. And I think that's a good way to find truth is when someone can use the same arguments that someone was using from 600 years ago because Mm. there was never an answer or never a good answer. And so, you know, and consistency too is one of the big things where if I can talk to a Muslim and argue about his God in my theology or my soteriology, and then I can talk to a Jehovah Witness and use the same exact thing, mm-hmm. then I think it's a pretty good theology or soteriology if you can use the same thing for each. Because mm-hmm. if you got to change and say, oh, well, God is sovereign, and then, oh, well, God isn't sovereign, which, you know, I'm not saying you do that. But I'm saying, sure. you know, you have to look for consistencies, and mm-hmm. if your theology stays consistent and there aren't any holes in it, then you can keep going with it. Mm-hmm. Or if you, you know, if you listen to this podcast and you're like, oh, I really like the sound of, you know, being an Arminian. It's like, okay, do some study on it yeah. and actually know what you're talking about. You don't have to be the 
foremost expert in the world obviously we aren't yeah on no, our we're definitely not soteriologies but it's like but it's like look into it yeah, like don't just it. hear us and it's like oh well this is how they look mm-hmm. like, no 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 we are not the poster child for calvinism yeah. and arminianism oh, exactly. like there's a lot out there where even arminians would disagree with me mm-hmm. and i'm and again i'm attempting to argue leaning that way like yeah they would just like oh no 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 you can't just, i'm like okay let's just go and look into it study read a book mm-hmm. read lots of books yeah from the people that believe yeah. those sides because if you <clears throat> if you're a if you're a calvinist then you want to read what the Arminian has to say because mm-hmm. you already know your side or, yeah. you know, you would read Calvinistic-leaning people, like mm-hmm. especially nowadays like Piper, MacArthur, Bauckham, you know, all, yep. mm-hmm. all those guys, you could read them. But it's like you also read the other side. Like, you know, if you want to know something about like modern moderate Calvinism, then read Norman Geisler. Mm-hmm. I think it leans a little bit more to Arminian, but he still uses Calvinistic languages. But mm-hmm. it's like, okay, if you're wanting to know something about that, then read Geisler. And then if you read Geisler, read someone who refutes Geisler, mm-hmm. like James White. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, read both sides. Even if you don't disagree with the one side, at least know what they believe so you aren't creating some sort of straw man or something in your mind. Because I think that's what happens a lot. I know calvinists they do it a lot with arminians and arminians do it a lot with calvinists Mm -hmm. it's just yeah we come up with our little image of like okay well he believes tulip and it has this and this is like so Mm -hmm. we gotta we gotta break down all these things it's like no just stop yeah (laughs) slow down figure out okay what has merit Mm -hmm. what has value to what they're saying why do they come to that because again like like we like we spent earlier in this podcast a lot of arminians look at human experience Mm -hmm. they look like like they look to that as a kind of form of a boundary Mm -hmm. whether that's right or wrong depends on who you ask but that's a thing that typically is done Mm -hmm. is to look at human experience where calvin is again their boundary is not like script sola scriptura Mm -hmm. scripture let's look at the solas let's look at it let's do all these different things to that those be our boundaries and then we'll move outward to human experience yeah. and stuff like that. And again, it's different from Calvinist to Calvinist and Arminianist to Arminianist. Oh, yeah. Like they, each person, we're all unique. Yeah. We all like, we have similarities, but we're still all unique. None of us are exactly the same. Yeah. And even if we understood the same way about something, we may both explain it in a total different yeah. way. I had that problem with some people where I was like, no, God saves, not man. And they're like, no, man is the one who chooses. And then we eventually we got like a two hours in and we both agreed. And I was like, that's what that's what I was saying the whole time. He's like, that's what I was saying the whole time. I'm like, uh, well, yeah. you know, it happens. But vocabulary is a yeah. thing. And that's, that's one of the benefits of, you know, off the bat saying what, you know, mm-hmm. the realm of what you believe. Like I say, I'm a Calvinist. So you, mm-hmm. at, you at least know the realm and then you can slowly go into, okay, well, what do you believe about total depravity mm. or the inability of man or things like that? It's like, it's almost like a Venn diagram where it's like, yeah. you think there's just these two circles and these mm-hmm. two camps, but in actuality, like once the discussion's really allowed to have, it's almost a Venn, a Venn diagram where like, okay, they start to overlap. Mm-hmm. Some overlap more than others. Like they're yeah. not, they're not the same, mm-hmm. but they're, but as the discussion comes, there's a lot more overlap than we yes. think. Than we tend to think. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it's kind of like, like David. I keep on thinking about it of David because he always brings up C.S. Lewis, 
And it's like, C.S. Lewis wasn't a theologian. He was a writer. He's a good writer. But it's like, you know, David always talks about him. And so eventually I think, okay, well, what does David believe? Like, he, I think we actually talked about it in your podcast where he talked about the last book, The Last Battle, and where uh, they were coming through the door and they were getting killed or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And he yes. said, and Aslan was like, yeah, he believes in whatever that other god was, yeah. but he all, that other god was me it's in like his heart. You, and it was like, like if that, you really believe this, I'm like, no, that's kind of... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little bit weird, and it's like, I, like, you I know, don't know. How, and especially, what's really hard with that is, like, you're seeing that, and you're clearly seeing christian imagery but mm-hmm. then you just get that i'm like that's not christian <laughs> yeah exactly it's 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 hard because you know sometimes a theologian can be totally off sometimes a writer can be mm-hmm. exactly where he's supposed to be and it's like oh yes i totally agree with that mm-hmm. but then you can also like look at the edges and be like i don't agree mm-hmm. kind of like uh the shack great book i love the shack that's mm-hmm. it's it's a good read but i don't get my theology from the shack right because it has all sorts of things where you can be like, okay, this is what he wrote. <clears throat> this is kind of pushing the limits of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's still a good book, just like Chronicles of Narnia. I love those books. I read them to my kids. Yeah, I have no great. problem with them, mm-hmm. but I'm not teaching my kids this yeah. is theology. Same with like Lord of the Rings. It was written mm-hmm. by a Catholic guy. Yeah. It has some good imagery, but it's mm-hmm. not theology. Yeah, And the thing and, is, when you look at literature, um, especially when he's like, when it's fiction. Um, I mean, I do that nowadays with a guy, uh, Brandon Sanderson, who I think, I mean, I don't know this for certain, but I think he has like a Mormon background, Okay. but just the way he writes, he writes really well in that, um, in his books, uh, there's a lot of religious imagery and political like dialogue and such like that in his books that forces you in a sense like, Oh, like that's an interesting discussion that's being brought about. And an interesting perspective that's being brought about. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go in there and look at, because uh, David also loves Brandon Sanderson like I oh, do. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go look at Elantris and look at the priesthood mm-hmm. that's being described here and look at, oh, well, this is how these people are. I'm like, no, that's, he created a world in, in so far as he can present different ideas to tell a story. Yeah. <clears throat> Just like in, for Narnia, he used, a lot of Christian Im- C.S. Lewis used a lot of Christian imagery, but also he used fantastical elements, mm-hmm. and like used, like pulled from like Greek tragedies and such like that to then bring all this into his unique world that he made yeah. to tell a story that he wants to tell. Yeah, which yeah, and that was kind of just off on a rabbit trail there, but <laughs> yeah, no. This David. podcast is a lot of rabbit trails. Oh, yes. Oh, I've, I've noticed, believe me. That's what it is, man. Started listening to that three-hour podcast you and Trey did, and it was like, oh, let's let's talk about D&D. Let's talk about the nerf battle that we had at church. And it was like a billion different things. I was like, oh, my word. But it's a great podcast. I love this podcast, Trey. It's pretty solid. It's fun to be on. Oh, yeah. This is a good experience. Yeah, you always get to just talk out whatever. I hope to have more people on, more new people on. So, are you going to get David back for the hundredth episode? You know, only time will tell. <laughs> he was back. With, did he y'all was record back last that, episode? Yeah. Did y'all record that last episode? Like last week? Oh, okay. I I didn't know if that was like an old episode and y'all re-released it because I was like, why is we David were, on here? It's it, almost been I told a year. You, yo, that was funny because I, I I ran into David. We recorded it on a Saturday, like today, 
and I ran into him on a Thursday night because we both went and had dinner. And I was like, oh, he's here. I was like, hey, I got a podcast if you want to be there. And he, he ended up being able to come. And we recorded it on uh, the 31st. Oh, wow. And the last time I recorded an episode with David was January 1st. Yeah, I was Fletcher. listening to that. I was like, this I was like tomorrow, the six tomorrow will be a year since you've been back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's wow. like, oh, I should have waited till tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're not doing it tomorrow, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's just funny. So wow, but yeah, yeah it's good. He's so. always a good character to have on. Yeah, he's very entertaining. Jack of all trades. So yeah. Well, are there any more things you want to discuss, or are we good? Oh, really? I mean, I mean, I feel like we've spent. I think this is a solid two hours, almost basically yeah. two hours, hour forty-five, for. And I think we've said a whole lot that people will digest. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> so. so yeah, because I'm, I'm, you know, if I wanted to, we could sit here for you know, me and him could sit here for six, eight hours talking. Just <laughs> all right, let's go through the five <clears throat> points of Calvinism and going through every verse. But it would just, you know, I have this whole. This whole book is filled with just notes, <laughs> notes about Calvinism and memory verses and all mm. this sorts of stuff. So it's like, yeah, we can sit here for a couple hours, but at the same time, it's like I'm not, I'm not here to change Alex's mind or anything. Yeah. I just had questions about the last podcast. Mm. I think they've been answered. You know, the podcast wasn't done yeah. like what eight months ago. Yeah, that was a while back. Something like that. Well, like... I wanted to talk like the week after. <laughs> it was like, I did my podcast with you about Calvinism and then the next week you had Alex on and I was like, wait a minute. Why are you letting him it just... destroy Calvinism? And then I was like, <laughs> well, he would... Both <laughs> people had their... The whole the opportunity. No, no, no. That's what I always no, do. No, no. You have the opportunity to give your your interpretation, what your views is. Yeah, but he had your the, arguments for what we're the last you, say. He had the last word. It doesn't word. matter. It was because like I set up this whole thing, and then Alex should, comes in here. He's like, "It's wrong. Yeah. You're wrong." It's like, what? Why? Why straight well, this the thing is, the argument shouldn't be able to fall apart. You shouldn't worry about somebody else coming back. So well, if, if that's what you're stating, you're stating your argument no, no, no. was weak. No, no, no. So then either your argument was good enough to where even being when it's, he came on later didn't do it. Again, a misunderstanding. It doesn't matter who says the last say. No, no. Who's who's Here. who's I house can I didn't say this. This is all trans. <laughs> Trey remembers when I asked him, said, hey, I want to talk to Bean because I think he didn't answer the questions. <laughs> and I remember because the whole reason I brought it up is because you, for some reason, were trying to be the... I'm going to argue for Calvinism side. No, I just did. And you set I up. I just did things to create no, more no. discussion for Bean. You set up since these, he was specifically going for. You it. set I was up like, these little fine. straw men and Alex. Oh, just here went, we go. I said, here we oh, go. I have my lighter right here. Let me burn those straw men down. While behind it, I'm waving. Hey, that okay, is I don't real. fall into Calvinism. Okay. <laughs> I, but I was trying not to be on the same team as him, just to double team. I was trying to give a little bit of context and. Different discussions and how would you answer certain things? Well, maybe, I maybe. Even cl- I'm pretty sure I clarified that. Well, in yeah, the episode that I was. Yeah, you said I'm not a communist, but here's what I think they kind of believe. And then you said something. <laughs> no, I was like, I, I still don't believe what he just stuff. said. There was there was some things. Maybe maybe one day we can set up a whole thing, have the 30 Bible passages we want to go through, and then for sure over these thousands of years, finally once and for all determine which one's true, Calvinism or Let's have another MSG brawl. Oh, man. Oh, and, we'll throw, and the thing is, like, we'll have stuff that we disagree with, but then we'll tag team the other guy. See, you're going to have to find some more Calvinists. That, <laughs> so that's going to be the hard job for Those Trey. are already hard enough to just set up. <laughs> Let alone. It'll I mean, be. There's some people at church that are... I don't think they're Calvinists. 
Caleb Miller. Is he? Oh yeah. See, no, <laughs> I don't want I don't want no uh, high Calvinist on my team that are gonna be oh we don't have to uh evangelize because God already knows no, everything. He's not, no, no, no. Okay. He's not hyper. No, I talk I talked to Caleb yeah. about that too. Well it's high hyper or hyper, yeah. I was just saying yeah. hyper. He's not there, but he definitely kinda like you are, kinda leans more that way yeah. and such. Um, cause I think I've had conversations with him and his wife about that in the past. Oh yeah. Um, well, yeah. Usually when, mm-hmm. when one of them holds the view, the wife and the husband hold the view. Oh yeah. Cause it was, yeah, it yeah. was a while. My wife did not hold the view. And then once I was like, Hey, wait a minute. I don't think what we know was actually the right thing. And then she's like, Oh, explain. And then it's like, okay, now me and my wife are Calvinist and the rest of our family are not. Yeah. He has <laughs> debates life. with my, like my family. Oh yeah. All, all the time. I don't I bring, get in those debates. I just watch. I'll, I'll shoot little pock shots at people sometimes and be like, are they Hey, why are you praying to God if he can't actually, you know, if your will is the one that's in charge, and they'll be like, yeah, what's up, mic drop. He does that a lot with you know, parents. Why are, you, why are you praying to God when everything's predetermined? And it's, <laughs> it's commander, don't ask me those questions. I, I like how sometimes Calvinists and how Arminians answer some of these questions, because it's like, it's like, well, you have a point, but... <laughs> It, it, go, it goes both ways. At least you have that family. My family is it's like they're not Christian, mm. but yet they kind like my, especially my oldest brother kind of did the whole like journey experience, like mm-hmm. trying to figure it out himself. And like there, there's things he mentioned. I'm like, hold on, what are you talking about? Yeah, what Eastern religion are you pulling from <laughs> from Wikipedia that I gotta go and actually research so I can figure out where you actually stand? Oh, it's yeah, that, that doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah, no, it's it's rough, especially when his wife is uh, extremely atheistic and materialistic and hates those conversations. Uh, so it's okay. like one trying to find the time to have the conversation, and mm-hmm. two having the conversation. <laughs> See, yeah. I, I'm having a a dinner at my in-laws' house this week, okay. and it's on Sunday. It's for my father-in-law's birthday. And I have all these, like on my phone, I have all these questions that I'm ready. Because one of my one of my family members, my brother-in-law, he is, extre- he's the one who's almost Pelagian all okay. the way. And so I finally started to convince one of my other brother-in-laws who live with him oh, no. in the Calvinism. And so I'm like, all right, time to stir the pot here and get everything let's nice cause, and going. Let's, let's cause a whole bunch of family drama today. Oh, let's do it. It's fun. Sometimes I walk out of the house and I choose violence. And it's so much fun. It's like if you had a whole democratic family or oh, democracy family and walked into the, the family reunion with a Make America Great hat on. It's like, yep, all right, let's go, everybody. Uh, it's it's fun. I enjoyed the conversation. Though. This was this whole, was good. Get a whole Republican family. You walk in with the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> walk in with the Green New Deal paper. Here here's the six words that I believe about what we should it's do. It's laminated. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about climate change. Ooh, that's what, that's what the next podcast should be about. Politics. The next brawl. <laughs> because the first brawl. What that's, was the first brawl about? It was it, it was. It was mainly it was a Christian, biblical question, yeah. but it was variety topics in oh, scripture. Yeah. You like, should do politics going next time. It'll be a lot <laughs> I doubt, more broad. I doubt I will do politics. Then. So we're single-handedly going to make the MSG podcast about the three things you're not supposed to talk <laughs> about. Religion, <laughs> oh, no. politics. Anything that could get us canceled has already been discussed. Oh, yeah. That's pretty, pretty fair. So, yeah, yeah we should. should already, yeah. 
you could listen to all your old podcasts and get questions from all the other podcasts. <clears throat> what do you mean you know, questions? From you me? know, let's go get a let's go get a guy that's an Aquinas scholar, a Thomas Aquinas Ooh, scholar. Gosh. Let's go do that. Well, you could almost nowadays <laughs> you could find any Baptist in there an Aquinas <laughs> scholar because everyone's going back to Aquinas. <laughs> Man, the real hard thing would be finding someone who's like a Polycarp guy. He's so that's so old. It's like eh, you might not be able to find anyone, <laughs> or someone who's uh, Irenaeus. There's too many church history people. <laughs> There's so many. That's what we the Martians. What are they Martians? called? Martians. The Martians. Yeah, the Martians. I only the know Arians. one guy. That's all. What is it? <clears throat> is it Sabellianism? Yeah, Sabellianism. Yeah. There, there's a couple of subjects that would be fun to talk about if you can find an Arian guy and Ar- is it arianism yeah yeah if you can find a guy like that that would i'm sure alex and me we could i don't know we, where i would i mean because we we probably agree on arianism is not the yeah. way or modalism <laughs> yeah you could have a trinity i don't know base. how i do i just go around and say hey I just go are you this to the well, personal ads well, and, and the, well, the thing is they won't use that name. the same word mm-hmm. yeah like it won't you won't find arian someone that says oh i'm an arianist or yeah, arian know. because Thank you, Hitler, for mm-hmm. completely just <laughs> using that <laughs> for something else. Um, but like, uh, there's a group in Pentecostalism of like oneness theologians. Oh yeah. And then there's a, I mean, I think a Jehovah's Witness, I think, is also a Unitarian. Yeah, there's some, there's something weird. Yeah. That would be a, that would be a great thing. I, you know, if you knew some Jehovah Witness or some <clears throat> Mormons, you could probably just go down to the. Mormon temple and find a guy. Oh, and I could. Like, There's hey. one down the street from our church. Yeah, there you go. You could say, "Hey, you guys want to go debate? grab one of the elders?" I've, I've, since I've lived in here, I've been waiting for the day for them to knock on my door, but I don't think they come in this neighborhood. I they did. I had one years ago, and I was, I was trying to be super. I was like 16. I was super naive, just trying to be really nice as they were giving me their spiel and everything. I even took their like. Book of Mormon, <laughs> and my mom trashed it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is a way that you can get a Mormon to come here. If you email them and oh, say yeah, that you want you want a Book of Mormon, they will come to your house, yeah. give it to you, and talk to you. Yeah, they, you have, could, they have you their could own carrier service. Yeah, you could set it up, have all the mics in here, and be like, oh, yeah, just come inside. Come on in. I, I, these right. are just, I just threw these out. Yeah, don't worry, they're not on. Just have a just chain up there and just like click just there's, a, there's a video of a guy who did that oh he, really where the, these two young guys Mormons knocked on his door and he invited them in and he like put up I guess like it's phone or something against the table so they sat at the table and they discussed it hmm. for like 30 minutes yeah, there's a lot of good podcasts and but, stuff on how to like refute Mormonism and stuff with the Mormon Bible which is mm. very good yeah that uh, Mike Winger has like a <sighs> full Mike series Winger. on it not really but he's good yeah, there's a couple. Of I don't have a. I don't have an opinion on the guy. I haven't looked at any of this stuff. Is he good? I, I don't know. He's, he's, he's okay. good on certain things. <clears throat> yeah, like that he, was one of those things. Like I looked on my YouTube because my mom will watch stuff every now and then because she doesn't get out of the house. Like she doesn't go to go to church anymore, even though I've tried for years to convince her to. Because um, bad experiences, but mm-hmm. she. I just like was like I'm like. Who's Mike Winger and why is he all over my YouTube? <laughs> he's, he's not bad. I like him more than Alan Parr. Alan Parr. I like, I like Alan, Alan Parr, Parr more than I like Mike Winger. And these are YouTubers for people who don't know. Mike Winger, he's good. I think he he does slip in some of his theology, but it's oh, yeah. not like bad. 
like of course he's not a Calvinist. So there was a <laughs> he actually if you really, he goes against it very if much. If you really I... want to listen to a good like YouTube video, look mm. up Mike Winger, James White because they both have like eight videos where they're going back and forth. Interesting. You know, Calvinism and Arminianism. But he, he does have some good stuff, and he's an actual pastor, so he actually preaches some things. Mm-hmm. He's good. Parr Par is a little bit different. He still he, has he's, good things, but he's he's, a, I've seen yeah. some questionable he's things. He's a Calvinist, but he's a... Uh, he's like a three-point. No, it? no, no. What do you call those people? Those aren't Calvinists. Yeah, those are not <laughs> Calvinists. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm not a Calvinist. I you're, can't say you're this. You're either a five-point You're either five-point or, or not. I'm, I'm technically the, a six-point Calvinist. Those are the real contradictory ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, you you I'm believe a, in limited atonement, but not total depravity? What are you talking? What? What does no, that even mean, people? No, the real the real uh, contradictory ones is like, I'm a four-point Calvinist. I believe in everything except for limited atonement. I'm like, wait, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Just like this message. What? <laughs> make it make like, sense. Wait a minute. <laughs> it, it, oh, what, what was I saying? Uh, oh, yeah. What what's What's it called? Uh, when you believe that God uh, chooses people to go to hell and heaven, what's that called? Double predestination. Yeah, he—that's what Alan. Parr I thought that was hyper. Right? Ca- no, as that's well. what Alan Parr is. Is he's a double predestination person? I am not, but you know. but as another, depending on the Arminian you ask, they will often go to that argument as well. As yeah. far as like. Well, it has to be this way. Yeah, yeah it's not. It, a lot of the times, it's a misunderstanding. I don't, I don't actually see that as completely illogical, though. It's not illogical, but it's also, if you actually look at it, it's pretty illogical. At least according to the Bible, I think yeah. there's there's uh-huh. arguments against it and for it's, it. It's but. one of those things where it's like, if, okay, if you say that, now let's look at all the implications of it, and yeah. that's when you start getting into problems. Yeah, there's guys like like John can, MacArthur leans that way, <clears throat> and then R.C. Sproul leans the other way, where he's like, no, it's not double. Because, yeah, it, it's, it makes sense logically to go double predestination, but it's just not their biblical. See, I haven't, which is got, I haven't picked a side yet, but over time I've leaned into certain different ideas. So. Yeah, which everyone does, and that's, yeah. that's kind of what me and Alex were talking like about. Is like, if you figure so. it out, then you can actually <laughs> tell people, hey, this is kind of what I believe. Because it's, it's always, it's like you, those people that are in between, and it's like, you ask them a question, and they say, you know, the opposite. It's like, oh... Do you believe that people are inherently bad? No, I believe they're good. And then you go over to another question, and they answer a different way that's contradictory. Mm-hmm. And you can never pin someone down because either they can say, "I don't know," or <clears throat> "I don't have an opinion on it." I just believe that God saves and man's chooses, and it's just like, well, we got to flesh it out because yeah. you got to actually be able to answer questions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there, there, there's more than just Calvinism and Arminianism. Those it's, are just the two popular ones, mm-hmm. and the rest of them are heresies. <laughs> <laughs> if you become a Pelagian, then I will disown you as a brother. <laughs> that is some real heresy right there. I think Alex would agree. I, would you? Yeah, not? that's <laughs> yeah. Even, even according to church history, that was that's condemned. Right. Pelagianism that is was not condemned Christian. by the Catholics. Dun dun dun. Uh, that's another word people have ruined is Catholic. It's universal. like Catholic is universal. Exactly. I've been trying to use it in conversations to bring it back, and people are like, wait, Catholic? And I'm like, no, no, no. I read, I read a book recently. Uh, it was on anthropology, and the guy at, in like his introduction said, okay, whenever I say Catholic, I mean universal, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> not the Roman Catholic I don't Church. Think, I, don't think you, I don't think you can really bring it back. I don't think you, you can probably bring it back. can't now. Like if you sit down with somebody and you go over that, like, this is what I mean when like, I say it yeah. for that conversation. But, but it's one of those things when you it. look at like in church history, like 
we weren't always Roman Catholic. Yeah. Like when we like when you look at the early church, like the early church with the the patristic fathers, it's not oh well, we're Roman Catholics. Like no, that was <laughs> that was later. Yeah. Like when we say like. Like when you look at the creeds, like oh, and the Holy Catholic Church—that was the the universal church. Yeah, that was the church that was understood at yeah. that time. Which you can look at some guys like part of the pre-Reformation people, like John Huss, mm-hmm. who he's like, he's referred to in church history. He is a Catholic because there was nothing else at that time. <clears throat> yeah. You were a Catholic uh, or nothing. Yeah. But Huss believed totally different from mm-hmm. the rest of Roman Catholicism. Yeah. I forgot you, who was the other early guy. You don't really get there. a like Roman Catholic understanding until I think basically the Great Schism in 1054 between mm-hmm. the Latin West and the Greek East with the Eastern Orthodox. Yeah, and you really don't get denominational beliefs until Reformation. at least 1517 yeah. when Luther did the 95 Theses, mm-hmm. which I find very. That's one of the things I would love to talk about is he did the 95 Theses right on mm. Halloween. Mm. But, you know, some people celebrate Halloween, which is all Hallow's Eve, yeah. you know, Catholic church thing. Mm. And then you have the other people that are like, oh, well, it's the lunar whatever, and this is how it was. And then you have the Reformed people who are mm. like, well, it's Reformation Day. Yeah. So it's, 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 that's an interesting subject, but... Yeah. More King James only is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love King James. What's that one guy's name? Like... Uh, what? He's the real big King James onlyist who's like, he breaks his uh, lectern and stuff. You sent me videos of him before. Mm. Oh, Maybe. oh, I know who you're talking about Anthony. Is it Anthony? It might be. I don't know. It's he had a, he had a, I know he had a conversation with James White. I know who you're referencing. Yeah. He's he's the only name. one that I've watched, and I think he he's like I think he's the only even one. if he wasn't King James only, as I wouldn't even he's kind of crazy. Like, he probably shouldn't be a pastor at that point with he what he's saying. Very crazy. Like, well, he's one of those guys who call like Calvinists like they're not going to heaven, and anyone who reads like the NASB or ESV wow. or NIV, I know a lot of people who are like, especially in the King James only camp, are like the NIV. Oh, that's the bloodless Bible. Because it because it doesn't have something about redeemed by Jesus' blood in one verse, but then in a whole other book of the Bible, it talks about the blood of Christ. And it's like, if this was a real conspiracy, why would they put it There's here? There's a video of, of him from like years ago. I think it was some, some guy in the in the audience. I think asked for a prayer or didn't agree with something he said. And he like yelled them out and told them to get out. And they, like he was telling them, get get out of here. Yeah. You're not You're not a believer. You're not... You know all this. Wow. I was like, bro, what is this? King James only people are crazy. Right. You want y'all want to hear something really funny though? <clears throat> Years ago, I forget how long ago it was. Bill was still professor at Criswell, our pastor, and uh, uh, they were giving out free Bibles to uh, students. And I'm actually gonna go pull up something because I don't have the particular section memorized, but it's really comical. Uh, <clears throat> 7-11. Yeah. So the they were giving out, I think it was, I think it was Holman Christian Standard Bibles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, <clears throat> they, they given them out to students for free. And there was a flaw. In Revelation 22, the end of the book, if I'm remembering correctly, it ended at verse... 18. And so, for context, 
the Spirit and the Bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And that's the end of the, oh, wait. <laughs> the ones that they were given out. Oh, so for those that aren't familiar with Re- Revelation 22, it continues mm-hmm. the next verse with, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. But it cut out at verse 18, right before the curse about if anyone takes away the words of this prophecy. I'm like, and y'all gave this out for free? (laughs) (laughs) Do you burn books like that? Like, would you burn that if it wasn't completed? That's That's like like those pennies that have like, oh, look, uh, Lincoln's nose is a little bit longer in this penny. That's like those Bibles right there. Oh, no. You might be called a heretic for using it. (laughs) It's a collector's edition. You want to understand? All right. Well, well, we'll call it quits here. So, uh, I guess we can say any any last words from y'all. Boeing. Uh, beautiful. Everybody does. I don't have anything to say. That was the greatest <laughs> ending I've ever heard. Everybody's trying to take David's quote. <laughs> Just paying respects. That's right. <laughs> Come back, brother. <laughs> He backslid out of the podcast. He backslid out of the podcast, guys. Uh, well, yeah, it was a good talking, good chat. I like listening, honestly. Yeah, this is a good conversation. It's a fun one, and just in your studies as you go forward, like take what we started as just a starting point, and then go from there. Study, research, look into things, come to your own convictions. And try as best as you can to be gracious and compassionate Mm -hmm. because you just don't know what experiences other people might have for why they are at a certain theological stance. Um, So, yeah, just take all of that into consideration when you go out and have dialogues and conversations. Amen. I I don't disagree. Yeah, that's great. All right. Uh, Thanks for being on. And uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. I guess we'll, we'll see you next time. So peace.